following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Uh, if you're here with us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. Um, if, if not, uh, welcome church family. We love you. It's just a joy to be together for Christmas. Um, can I just say something on the front side tonight? Like God came through on his promise. Right, as we read the Old Covenant, like as we read the Old Testament, like, you know, over 330 prophecies, like, 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 like big deal stuff, like, uh, you know, a baby being born of a virgin, you know, like God came through on all of it and Jesus embodied it to, to its full expression and full potential and then walked it out for us as a, as a glorious example. Um, thank you, um, Julie, Rob, for that awesome video with the kids. Like, did you guys enjoy that? Um, I want to I want to say this. Um, so, growing up, um, my favorite little did you guys watch those animated um, Christmas piece? You know, Santa Claus Come to Town and Rudolph. And my favorite one was uh, the Little Drummer Boy. Anybody ever seen that one? You know, and and the whole the, the whole piece, the whole piece that's there. So you know, the, one of the tender moments in that video for me was like Owen was going to give him the pogo stick, <laughs> right? Like that's the little drummer boy's heart, right? He's like, all I want for Christmas is this, but like, if it's if it's you, Jesus, I want you to have it, right? And and guys, is that our hearts tonight? Like everything I am is because of you. And the potential of my life is wrapped up in me embracing you for all that you are, right? And, you know, like we have, a, we have one here in the, in, the, in the manger and later on in the service, you're going to have an opportunity to, and I, I mentioned this now, so for those that are maybe don't know our, one of our tr- Christmas Eve traditions, but, but just like the children already was, was a phenomenal example to us in this, later in the service, you're going to have an opportunity to come up and to and to and to make an offering. Do you know that that the wise men traveled seven to nine hundred miles, arguably from Persia, under Daniel's influence, for the sole purpose of worshiping in their understanding the King of Kings, the King, the King that created everything. Where is he that has been born King of the Jews? Like where is he? They expected him to be in Jerusalem because that's where kings live, right? That's where, in the palace, and, and that wasn't the nature of our humble king, right? But tonight you'll have an opportunity to come to the major like the shepherds did and to, to worship this king. And, uh, and I just want to mention this on the front side that, that just in case you come like the, uh, like the little drummer boy or like Owen, you know, and you're, because the little, you ever you listen to that song? What he says is, I don't, I don't have treasures like those guys. But what I do have, I'll give you. And it made me think of Alana and every instrument and heart that's on this stage because I know them deeply, that they came to just share their, their gift for Jesus tonight. And that's what the little drummer boy did. He just gave, he gave all that he had. And, uh, and so I just want to mention that as we get to that point in the service, you know, this says a gift for God. You know, what he really wants... And if you can see in there, I'll kind of, I don't want to blind a whole bunch of people, but, but what he really wants is you. 
That's what he came to rescue. That's what he came to recover and to save. Do you know that the name, you know what the name Jesus means? Like in Hebrew, you know what it means? It's, it, it, it's, it's actually a name that comes from Yeshua or Joshua. Now you can imagine the name Joshua would be pretty popular since Joshua was two of multitudes that ended up leaving Egypt. Him and Caleb were the only ones that, that made it to the promised land. And they, and, and, they, and they went in because they trusted God for his promise. Even though the promise seemed like, you know, we're grasshoppers. Like, like this is crazy. But they said, no, God said so, so it will be so. And, you know, the nation of Israel has waited for their Messiah. And, and we know that, that he has come. And he came. And, and, and it, Jesus, the name Jesus, when you really break it down in the Hebrew, you, you, many of you will say, yeah, yeah, I know it's the Lord or Yeshua saves. But what it means, in, in, at the, the, it means God rescues. That's, that's what Jesus' name means. That, that he came as God's ambassador of rescue to come and save us from our brokenness, our, our death, which, would, you know, the word death literally means separation from life himself. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because I'm God. I'm the author of this life and you don't have it anymore, and I've come to bring it back. Would, would you have some? And it and says it's a free gift, and he's offered it to us. And so, you know, as we open up this morning, this morning, I'm used to morning, this evening, I can't tell you, people said to me, hey, good morning. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I do that too. Um, but, you know, here's, here's what I want more than anything. I want us to know the true Christmas story. Do you know that there wasn't a drummer boy at the manger? Do you know that? I mean, most of you, that's, that's probably not new news to you that there wasn't a drama boy there. But do you know that, 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 that there weren't three kings either? There wasn't even three wise men at the manger. And we'll look at that tonight. So there's a lot of misconceptions and, uh, and, and we, we need to see the truth of Christmas. And so this is where I want to begin. Because Paul was kind of saying, you know, I don't want just Luke and Matthew and John to get in on this, this Jesus birth narrative. Paul says, I, I want a part of that. And, and the truth is, it wasn't even Paul. It's just the Holy Spirit kind of showing us again who this, who this babe born in Bethlehem really was. And so this is whose birth we're celebrating tonight. And I, I'm just going to read this for you. It's not on the screen. I just want you to hear this particular text. Fresh ears. This is what I, I want you to hear. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. This is the baby born in Bethlehem, right? For by him, all things were created in him. And we're new creations, Right? We're, we're, it says that in, in, in Ephesians 2, uh, 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, masterpiece, created in the cross, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in us, you know, for us in advance. And so what we understand here is the creator himself chose to be created that he might create further us, that he'd make us new creatures or creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him. And don't miss this. Most of you know it. And what? 
for Him. Do you know that you were created through Him and for Him? And He is before all things, (laughs) and in Him all things hold together, including you and me. (laughs) Like He holds it all together. And how does He do that? It goes on to tell us by His Word. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the church, the firstborn from the dead. That is everything he might be, in everything he might be preeminent. For in in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace by by or through the blood of the cross. You know, I think the... I think how we unpack Christmas and really get to the the wonder of it all is not by trying to dig into the details as much as understanding who it is that was born. Do you know what I'm saying? Like God was born in order to come in and do something that we could never do for ourselves to rescue us back to himself, like to make us his own. Um, and this, this was all kind of, it was a setup. Like he, he did it all. He, he, he designed and desired his, this, this mission, this rescue for us. And he came in such humble circumstances. I would say this. God didn't put his gift under a tree. He put his gift on a tree so that he would rescue you and me. So who was born in Bethlehem? Worshiped by wise men and heralded by the heaven's host. Emmanuel, God with us. That's one of the promises realized in Jesus. How could anybody even fathom the, 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 the fruition of this promise that God would take on skin, become one of us, never, never to, to sin, though, though born in the flesh, so that he could be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Wow. That's what I want to unwrap this Christmas. So let's begin from the beginning. Let's start with Luke. And what I'm going to do, guys, tonight, it's going to be something I've wanted to do for years on Christmas Eve. We're just going to take the two gospel narratives that really speak about the details of this historical event of Christ, of God's coming to the planet. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make them, uh, I'm going to harmonize those in chronology so that it follows the narrative to, to, to what we're meant to know. And, uh, and others are going to join in. It's going to be a fun experience. So are you ready? We're just going to hear the Christmas story tonight, afresh from the scriptures, and hear the truth of this story as it begins for us in Luke chapter 1. And, it, and, and what I'll do for the first 25 verses is I'm just going to summarize, and then we'll jump into uh, to math or Luke later in the, in the chapter. So in the beginning... Herod, the not so great king, if you're familiar with Herod, um, of Judea, is uh, is on the throne, and um, we we are introduced to two wonderful elderly folks that are interesting. Interestingly enough, are both from the line of of Levi, and incredibly enough, this Zachariah and Elizabeth that we're introduced to here are both descendants of Aaron, okay? Both of them are descendants of Aaron. Now, here's something that happened today that's so exciting. I was sharing with Steve earlier. So one of Sheba's piano students came over to the house to exchange gifts with Sheba and I. And, uh, and if you don't know, Sheba does this thing, Keys for Kids, and, and they've been together for several years, and it's just a, it's a sweet little relationship. And mom, mom Nancy, is Jewish, 
awesome. And so we're just talking, and she loves her faith and just dives in and teaches, and it's fantastic. Well, we're having this glorious conversation about like Hanukkah and just all of the, the, the Christmas narrative and, and all the prophecies, and just, it's just marvelous. And in the midst of this conversation, you know what she tells me? I, no, I asked her, I said, do you know what tribe you're from? Which is, I'm always interesting to me. And she said, yes, I'm from the tribe of Levi. In fact, I'm actually a descendant. My goodness. Um, I'm actually a descendant. Can you hear this? From Aaron. I met today, as I'm looking over tonight's message, I met someone that was related to Zachariah and Elizabeth and is a, today is a relative of Jesus. She was in my house. I was like, I was like, I'm so honored you're here. This is so exciting. Like, I mean, it was so amazing to me. I was like, I seriously, I'm just, and, and we had about a half an hour, like this was supposed to be just a gift exchange. And we had about a half an hour, probably 40 minutes. And we're just, and I mean, lit up, just talking about the scriptures, Old Testament, like all these, like, and the, and the Lord's just, which is, and, and in the midst of this, her husband, who is a Christian and is just, you know, struggled, like they, they've tried to balance all of this weeping, just crying. I mean, it was just such a sweet moment, but I met a descent. Like, so anyway, back to the story. So, so Zachariah and Elizabeth are, are literally descendants like Nancy. Both of them are descendants of Levi, specifically of Aaron, which was Moses's brother. Okay. That's so interesting because Moses' parents were both Levites. And so now the first prophet after 400 years of silence, after Malachi, the first prophet on the scene is going to be born of two of Aaron's descendants and is Mary's relative. Okay, fantastic stuff. So their names are Zachariah and Elizabeth. He's a high priest. Uh, he's from, so David had 12, 24 divisions that he set up when he was king of all the priests. The eighth division, uh, and these are just priests, the eighth division was Abijah. And Abijah's division um, was, Zechariah was a descendant of Abijah. But by Jesus' time, or just, just here before his birth, six months before his birth, like these, these divisions are like thousands of priests are in each of these divisions. So they only serve twice a year and once every 12 years on top of that. And in, they would come to Jerusalem. He lived in the hill country of Judea. And they would, they would kind of take care of the priestly duties of the temple for that week, right? Twice a year. And in this moment, now keep in mind, priests only serve from the age of 30 to the age of 50. So in a 20-year span, thousands of priests, they cast lots to see who gets to, to offer the, the, uh, the, the, the morning incense and the, and the uh, twilight incense. And they do it every single day at the temple, just the way that, it was, it w- that God ordained it initially. And so what they have to do, because there's, so, there's thousands of them, they have to cast lots. And then if it falls on you, it, might, it, it rarely might happen once in a lifetime. And Zechariah, it falls to him. And he goes in. And he offers the prayer. And you know what the prayer is that they offer when they, when they burn this, this very precious, um, spice is frankincense, like, is come Messiah. Come Messiah. 
And, uh, and so in the middle of this, this moment where he's, can you imagine once in a lifetime moment, he's getting to pray on behalf of all of Israel, the hope of a, of a priest in this very moment. And he's praying and who interrupts the prayer? Gabriel, an angel pops up, you know, like on the right hand side of this little one and a half foot by one and a half foot by three foot burning altar incense moment. Here's might be a powerful moment. Well, this, this is what happens in that moment. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer for Messiah has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and he will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he will not drink wine or, so, or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the, to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power. Now this is prophetic words that he, that would have been very familiar to him. This is the, the forerunner, uh, the, the prophet that was to come. And now he's telling him it's going to be your son, right? After they've given up at this stage in life. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. This is the Malachi prophecy. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall this be? Or how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is, in, is advanced in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And then Zechariah, now mute, you know, because of his lack of faith that was expected of this priest at his age and his experience with God and his word, now walks out of the temple animated but quiet. And I'm going to tell you, he would spend the next year after he goes home with his wife, right? I mean, imagine this, he goes home and for the next year, to the point of conception and then birth, like he is mute, quiet, and he's got to somehow unpack all that he's seen, all that he's experienced, the truth of that moment. He is processing all of that in, in, in this time period. And then we move to Luke 1, 26 through 38, and it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's what that means, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, this small remote town on a, root, on a, on a cliff in Galilee. It, can any good thing come from Nazareth? In verse 27, it says, To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, it goes on to say of the house of David, David, King David, Right, that that would mean that he's from the tribe of Judah. That would mean that, and what's meant to be told here is that we'd understand that Joseph. And this is interesting when you look at the two lineages in Luke and Matthew that talk about the line of Jesus. Do you know that uniquely, both of David's sons in the lineage of, of this king that would come come together in the person of Joseph, this humble carpenter in Nazareth. 
And he is reminded at many moments that he is of the tribe of Judah and that he is in, in the line of David. And so the other thing that I would imagine here says to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, right? That, that, that would ring of Isaiah seven fourteen, And we'll look at that in a minute. But we're told what's going on here. And, and, and can you imagine a, a virgin betrothed, in other words, engaged, but not yet consummated, not yet married, is now going to be found with baby. That would cause some, uh, that would cause some, some struggles for this, for this newly formed family. And that would cause a lot of faith to be expressed through both Mary and Joseph. And he came to her and said, this is, this is what the, the, the angel said to her. Greetings, O favored one. Now, let me, let me mention this. We see that this, this terminology being used with a, with a guy earlier in the, in, in the Old Testament, like Gideon, where the moment that, that heaven shows up in the form of an angel and calls someone favored and tells them that God is with them, um, there's going to be a huge task given to them. Right? There's going to be something asked of them that's going to be impactful and life-altering for, for, for not just them. And so the greeting starts with favored one, the Lord is with you. Isn't that good news that the Lord is with you? But she said, but she was greatly troubled at the saying for the reasons I just mentioned and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. In other words, have faith, Mary. And isn't it awesome that heaven knows our name? Like there's intimacy. Like we know you. We've asked, we've called you. God's called you to this purpose because he knows your beginning and to your end. For you have found favor with God. And favor, favor brings, I'm sorry, faith brings favor. And behold, you will receive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And as I mentioned, that means God rescues or Yeshua saves. She understood that this was now and not after he, after she was married because of her response that we see here. She understands that this is an immediate, like, like reality, like this isn't down the road. He will be great, speaking of Jesus, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. So right away, we're, we're talking about a king here, right? This, this, this arguably 13 to 15-year-old girl that is in an obscure village in Galilee is being, is the, the prophecy of Isaiah 7.14 is being realized in this very moment. Can you imagine the magnitude of this? And because of her lineage, and they would have been very familiar with their lineage, she, you, you got to believe that maybe that prophecy was, was ringing in her ears and heart. And he will reign over the house, speaking of Jesus, over the house of Jacob forever. It's an eternal kingdom, an eternal kingship that's being talked about. And his kingdom, there will be no end. This was a, the birth of a king and a kingdom, if you think about it. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? This is now a biological question. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the answer comes in a spiritual statement. And this is awesome. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And what I believe is this is what it takes for us to be instruments of miracles, is for us to be overshadowed by him. Like for us to get out of the way so that he can, so that we can walk in the way, 
so that we can experience his power and presence that we, you know, we have to yield ourselves and listen to what Mary says later on in response to that. Therefore, the angel goes on, Gabriel goes on to say, therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant or I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left her. She submitted to this glorious moment beyond her capacity and understand. I'm sure she couldn't take in all the implications that this would bring upon her life. And yet her response is, here I am, send me. Yes, yes, let me be the one that God uses for this divine appointment. And uh, knowing that, and we know later based on her, 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 her praise, her song of praise, that this was a young lady that knew the scriptures. And, and would declare her, her humble uh, disposition and how, how honored she was for this moment. So the, 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 the scene shifts at this moment. I mean, you know, one of the things the angel tells her is that Elizabeth is also pregnant six months into her pregnancy. And that, that gives Mary such confidence because she knows that's a miracle. And so she, she probably believes that Elizabeth will understand what I'm going through. And, and, and it, the text tells us here that she runs like in that day, like in that moment, you know, she takes off on a 90, 85. This is like going from here to Orlando, by the way. Like she takes off for a journey down to the hill country of Judea to, to, to go and talk to the only one that she believes might understand a relative that is a descendant of Aaron, someone that has a, a priest for a, for a husband. And can you imagine in that five to seven day journey, can you imagine everything that would be going through this young lady's head? All of the, the implications, the joys, the, 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 possibly the fears, the doubts. And then she shows up in the hill country of Judea in verse 39. It says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country um, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, simply greeted Elizabeth. And when, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb wept for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. It's amazing to think how Elizabeth was feeling at this time when her shame was lifted, but even more so confirming in herself and in Mary that nothing is impossible with God. Absolutely. Thank you, Lori. And Mary said these glorious words. Into, now, let's remember this moment. Mary walks up and basically just says, Hey, Elizabeth. John, in, in, her, in Elizabeth's womb, leaps with joy. Mary is filled with the Holy Spirit, the author of God's word, the spirit of God, the power of God himself, lifts her to a moment where she exclaims things that she cannot know. 
I mean, listen to what she's, what, what, what Lori just read for us. Like, and why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? How could she know that? Isn't that awesome that God can reveal things that we aren't even familiar with and show us things so that he might encourage, stimulate, um, you know, and just overcome some of the fears and doubts that maybe Mary was walking through. That's fantastic. And then Mary, in, in let's remember this is a young Jewish young lady that is arguably 13 to 15 years old. This is Mary's response to that moment. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So imagine this young woman who responds with awe, trepidation, and honest questions at the announcement of her conception by Gabriel now waxes valiant in praise to our Lord and Father as the babe leaping in Elizabeth's womb confirms all that the Lord has spoken to her heart. She is brought to worship of our King, the one who will save both Israel and us. Mm. Oh, Brandy, thank you for that. Now, Mary then at this moment remains, I mean, can you imagine how comforted she was in this moment to hear the very things that transpired through an instrument that couldn't know these things, knowing that heaven had had stimulated this moment in order to just encourage her to stay the course, to understand that, that God is truly with you and that you are the favored one. And he, she stays there under Zechariah, who can't talk, right? He is, he is, and he's, he's kind of marveling at his own mystery and his own moments and, and trying to take this all in. And the three of them spend three months together taking in that everything that God has promised Israel is coming to fruition. And we're going to have two boys that are going to see it to that, to that, to that end. That's incredible. Can you imagine being a part of that? That three months and the conversations that would ensue and unpacking what happened in the temple again. Oh, I think that would have just been fantastic. So Elizabeth gave birth to her son during the, the bris or, or the circumcision and the naming of, of, of who we know now as John the Baptist. Mary, excuse me, Elizabeth insists, insists on his name being John which was unfamiliar to their entire family. This was not a name. In fact, because Zachariah couldn't talk, they were going to just name him Zachariah. And Mary and Elizabeth says, no, his name, we were told his name is to be John. And so they, they don't take, I guess Elizabeth's credibility isn't enough. So they turn over to Zachariah and Zachariah grabs a tablet and he writes, his name is John. And why that's so profound, it's the, 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 the beloved of God, like why that is so profound is that this is the, the genesis of this name. This is, this is not familiar to, to his family at all, but this is heaven's name for him because he was going to play a very distinct role. He was never to have strong drink or wine 
because it was gonna, he was going to have such a radical nature of what he would do and fulfill. Um, Zechariah writes his name on the tablet, as I mentioned, and immediately he spoke blessings to God. His mouth was opened and he begins to testify to everything that he had been stirred in from his moment in the temple over a whole year, arguably a year, but come home, conceive, you know, labor, birth. That's a while. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying this. This is what he says. God of Israel, for he has visited and remembered his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, and we that we should be saved from the enemies, from all of our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord and prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. I can only imagine what this old priest must have been feeling as he recited these, or really just prophesied out of the spirit of God who was just bubbling over in, inside of him as he, as a priest, would have been looking forward not only to a birth of a son, because as a priest, he, of course, wanted to raise up more godly lines, uh, another priest to the family, but to be the father of the one who would be the prophet of the Most High. That would have been just unspeakable, but yet he received his voice in that moment. Yeah, that's the incredible part. Like, his voice comes to him in this moment, just as it was promised, about a year later, and he explodes with promise. That's, you know, we're told that out of the mouth, the heart speaks, right? And that's what's, this is what's been going on. We get to hear. Isn't, what a treasure that is. That we get to hear. Like, today, we're reading with this, this priest you know, almost 2,000 years ago, all that he was stirred from that moment in the temple. And, and then, he, you know, what happens here is, as Rob read that, he picks at the tail end of his prophecy, he picks up his, his eight-day-old son and looks him in the eyes and said, you're going to be the guy that we've been waiting for for 400 years. Malachi told us, you, Isaiah 60 told us you were coming. And here you are, and you're going to be my son. Can you imagine what was going through? And then here his heart declares these things immediately. This is what we hear. It's so fantastic. And then we jog over for sake of chronology over to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And it says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. So just really quick here. 
Betrothed here is, is, is similar to our engagement, but way more profound in Galilean Jewish custom. Like what would happen is a year before you got married, covenant would be established. You would actually refer to one another as husband and wife at this moment during this one year that was meant to, um, to demonstrate the wife's purity. That's going to be a difficult moment here in a minute, right? And so for a year, the husband would go off to the father's house and he would build uh, an abode for the family. And that, and in that, pro, in that time, the, she would be his wife, but they would never, ever be intimate during that time. And her purity would be, would be established and then there would be a, a wedding day which we find when they head out for the census, they've yet to even be able to celebrate in the midst of all that's going on, even a wedding day, that she's still his betrothed. And so I want you to just imagine here for a moment that with this sweet girl, right? Can you imagine how excited she was to be, to be, to be married? Like, I mean, she's, she's in, that's exciting, right? That's an exciting time. And now God kind of steps into her, her, her life and says, um, I got a, got a different plan. Think, things are going to be a little different than maybe you have thought or, 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 or conceived. And so it's really going to be a conception that's much different than yours. And so let's put ourselves in her circumstances. But it says, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found. So in the chronology now, she's come back from She's been with, uh, with Elizabeth and Zachariah for a little over three months. And now she's back and she's not told anybody. She's, she's kind of showing. She's found to be with child. That would have been a very difficult moment for everybody, especially Joseph, especially Mary. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, we find because of hindsight. But her husband Joseph being a just. Now this, when it says he's a just and righteous man, like God knew what he was doing here. Choosing this man that, I mean like, and it was all like, like I said, his, he comes together, like both sides of, of David's sons come together in this, this young man. He was unwilling to put her to shame. I, I just want to ask for a moment, can you imagine how, how, how betrayed he might have felt? I mean, he might have concluded that this, could this possibly be a Roman soldier did something horrible? Or, but he, if anybody knew, didn't Joseph know that this wasn't his? And can you imagine how betrayed, how much of a heartache that would have been? How easy it would have been to say, because though it was uncommon, you know, this scenario would lead to stoning in this moment. And what does he do? This, this shows us the character, the righteousness of this man that God chose for this position. What does he do? He seeks to, to, to divorce her quietly so that she would not face any of those implications. This is, I mean, facing all of his pain, all of, like, he, 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 and Mary can't explain this. How do you explain that? But just to say the truth, but he, he resolves to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, and I love what, how God does this. The very first thing that heaven does is call you by name and then remind you who you are in, in him. <laughs> Joseph, son of David, let me remind you. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, she will 
She will bear a son. Now, do you think that would, that would be great confidence going into a, 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 a stable <laughs> with no midwife? Um, that, that God said, yeah, he's going to get this done. So, I mean, like, like when we trust God in moments where there's tons of opportunity for fear and intrepidation, like that's what pleases him, right? And, and I love that it says she will bear a son and you shall call his name. Like guys, if you're a, if you're a son, uh, if you're in the line of David and Judah, you know, you're probably growing up thinking, could it possibly, you know, as a kid, you're probably thinking, could it, could it be me? Could it be me? Like, I mean, kids growing up want to be Iron Man. I don't know. I mean, of course, these guys would, I mean, that would have been a, a very realistic possibility. And heaven tells him here that you get to, you get to name the son of God. You get to name him. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that's fantastic. I just think that's overwhelming and amazing. He says, you shall call his name Jesus. For here it is, guys, here it is. For he will save his people from their sins. He's the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. And this means, this word Emmanuel means God with us. Now, listen, let's give Israel a lot of grace because, you know, now that we see all of this in hindsight, it makes a whole lot more sense, right? But can you imagine being in it, reading these prophetic pieces? It's almost like us waiting Jesus's return. Some of that stuff seems vague and and, and hard to understand. and, And we simply are asked to wait and trust and be ready and believe that everything, no matter how obscure and miraculous and, and, and impossible it might seem, we're challenged to believe that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the, like, I love this. He did, as soon as he woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Do you think that that did anything for Mary? When she was kind of alone in this moment, do you, you know, no one else kind of, I mean, now her soon to be husband is saying, I'm going to kind of do this quietly, but we're, we're, we're done. Right. I, I'm not going to own this, 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 this sin is mine. Right. And heaven says different guys. You, we, you know what I have to ask at this moment? This is what God does. He interrupts our plans, our plans to give us better ones ones that have been carved in stone that have been established in the stars that have been that have been declared for centuries when he when he when he when he knitted you together in your mother's womb i mean we're told that keep our eyes on jesus hebrews 12 says the author and finisher of our faith you know that we're called to run a race with perseverance that's marked out for us marked out and so jesus had a marked out mission Joseph had a marked out mission. Mary had a marked out mission. Zachariah, Elizabeth, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know that you, whether you know him, trust him, walk with him or not, do you know that God made you on purpose for a purpose? That, 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 that uh, Esther was told that don't you know that, that possibly for such a time as this, you've been brought to this moment? 
And that's true for all of us. Like God, this this tapestry of, of providence that each one of us represents a different little piece of yarn. And when we, we see it from the backside and it just seems like a mess, but when you turn it around, it's beautiful and that's God's perspective. And we have to trust him. And if we walk out his word, like that's how we stay on the path, on the race marked out for us. And that's my point here is that when Joseph woke, what did he do? He did exactly what the angel told, what God told him to do. He did it. Was it easy? <laughs> you know what he was doing? He was, he was committing social suicide here. He was taking his righteousness that, that was never going to be under question by God, but by social standards, he was taking his righteousness and saying, oh, there, there's any hope of, of being a, he was a master masoner. Like he was a, he, he was, he was a general contractor in our day, not just a carpenter. How, how would that, how, I mean, what would be the implications on his life here? And he, he, he rescues Mary out of this, this place of, of solitary obedience. And it says, and she gave like, I love that. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she gave birth to a son. Like, he he took her home, but laid aside intimacy, right? I mean, just, just, just the integrity, just, man. And he called him Jesus. He called his name Jesus. So in Luke chapter two, as we move the text forward, it says this, and this is a familiar text that we, that we say, that we say all the time during the Christmas season. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And let me tell you, when Rome, especially Caesar, not just not so great King Herod says something, you know, people get kind of nervous. But like when Caesar says something, you do it or you die. Like that's kind of the Roman way, right? And so he says that the whole world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all, isn't that interesting? All went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And what I mentioned earlier, like that's so sweet. Bethlehem means house of bread. Jesus declared that he was the bread of life and that he would ultimately be born in a feeding trough so that he would, he would be the, the very one that would feed us into the Father's presence that would nourish our souls. Wow, there's, there's no imagery here that's not intended. It's fantastic because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. So they, they haven't even gotten married yet in the chaos of this moment. There's, who's going who's gonna to participate? Who's going to join in? I don't even know if the parents were in on this. Like, I mean, they, they probably were like, Tearing their clothes. I, I don't know. But like, it's interesting to think about, like in this moment, you know, what they would be facing. But he went to register and all were registered, each to their own town. Joseph went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the house of David, to Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. That's, that's scandalous in a Jewish context, in any context. Right? And yet they are righteous in this moment. And how many people are buying it? 
How, how, would this, how would this go when you're trying to do commerce within a Jewish culture? Like, is this your wife? Well, not, not, not yet. She's kind of, she, but she's pregnant. Well, yeah, but it's by the Holy. Never mind. Um, you know, like, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a wild moment. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So it gets even a little bit more. But my thought is, in this moment, did they suspect this would happen? Why? Because the prophet said he would be born in Bethlehem. Right? So, I mean, these, these are two, this is a young man and, and, and a young woman that, that, that know God's word. And did they suspect that this might happen? Maybe not. But maybe this, maybe this wasn't a surprise. But look, they weren't probably getting a whole lot of support back in Nazareth. And so it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Do you know what, like, you've heard all kinds of things about the organs, they, they believed organs falling out, these, these cloths that they would wrap. But you know, in this case, when you do real rich study on this, that, that they were given a stable, a stable, and when, when animals were born in a stable, they would wrap them. These were cloths that were available for, for animals' birth. This is, this, and, and look, did God ordain all of this? He did. In, in humble fashion? Yes. Is this a humble family from a humble place with humble means? We know that because when he offered, when they offer Jesus uh, in, at the temple, when they dedicate Jesus, they can't even bring the lamb. They have to bring turtle doves which is the poor man's offering for dedication. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him. God was laid in a manger, in a manger. Like where did he deserve to be laid? Where did he deserve to arrive? What did he deserve from humanity? Who did he deserve to herald his name and his birth? Because there was no place for them in the inn. I, if you've been here long enough, uh, just recently we had a Super Bowl in in the Tampa Bay area, if you remember. Um, and uh, during the last Super Bowl, which I think was six or eight years earlier, that was hosted here. Not talking about the Bucks being it, but um, if you remember, like like everybody's like getting out of their houses and trying to get you know you know rent their houses for the week because people are paying like ridiculous amounts of money to stay in their homes. And and I just want to use that as an illustration to say when the census shows up, this is a little. Shepherd's Village. This is Bethlehem, five miles south of, of Jerusalem. And in this village, like, there's not, a, there's not enough room for everybody. And people are showing up. And you know what happened here in Tampa was, like, hey, how much are you going to give me if I leave my house for a week or two? Um, you know, I, I got to believe that people were like, you know, like, because of their station, because of their resources, because of, you know, there wasn't a lot available to them. And, What's sad to believe and know is that they were, they were turned away. God shows up on the planet. The hope of nations, much less Israel, shows up, born to save the world, and nobody wants to take him in. Nobody. You, you, you can go stay in the stable if you'd like. And they make a makeshift cradle so that the God of the universe, born in skin, can, can be laid in a manger. Wow. God arrives and he is given a stable. Are we potentially guilty of the same thing? What I mean by that is, 
Are you making room for Jesus in your life? Are you opening up facets and aspects and moments and opportunities so that he can lead and guide and direct your life to his plans and not yours? Are you, when he knocks on your door, so to speak, and says, can I come in here to this aspect of your life, to this relationship, to this addiction, to this fill in the blank? When that happens, like, are you, are you quick to say, yes, please come and change this. Come and, come and, come and make me your abode. Please. Do you prioritize his presence and give him preference? Bethlehem, by the way, was shepherd's village. And this is where the sacrificial lambs for the temple, isn't this interesting, were born and raised. And Jesus was born in that same place. Listen now as we hear what, who, how the shepherds heralded the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to, said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The the very good shepherd, the, the, the great shepherd, the shepherd of Israel right, is announced by shepherds. And, and by the way, like, it's interesting because they would, have had, they would have had very little credibility. I mean, to the point that Herod wasn't even bothered by it. It, it takes wise men showing up almost two years later before this becomes of any interest to Herod because their credibility would have not been, but isn't that ex- the obscurity of God, like how God does things, right? For, for the humility and the, and the, for the, for the lowly and for the kind as Mary's Magnificent reminded us. And so it says this, at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he, called, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And we finish tonight with Matthew 2, 1 through 12. So this is where a lot of the, the nuances get, get m- kind of muddy. You notice that in our manger scene or our nativity scene that the wise men are not there. Because that's true to the biblical narrative. We put them over here because it's almost, it's just shy of two years later before they show up. Like the announcement of his star to these, to these men was, 
was in Persia, arguably, and they would have to travel seven to nine hundred miles to bring their treasure as an act of worship, an expression of of honor. And uh, and so listen to me, listen with me to the text as it unpacks this, because this is what I believe with all of my heart, that this is the first Christmas morning. This, and doesn't it make sense that it's all about worshiping him? It's all about acknowledging his birth, his coming. And it's and gifts are exchanged, but they're given to him in an act of worship. And that's what Christmas is all about. Listen to what it says here. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men. Now, by the way, this is the Eastern school of wise men that were considered like, for us to kind of understand this, this is like the NASA MIT uh, people, okay, of their culture. This is, this is the, 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 the guys that have like full understanding and it's not like, it's not astrology, okay? Like they, they, uh, they are rich in their understanding. They're well-respected And it says, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, by the way, it doesn't say kings and it doesn't say three. That is all inferred upon the text because there were three gifts. So from the east came, they came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born? Does that sound like conviction about something you believe? Right? He, who, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? Right, they, the, the stars have. Do you know that in in Psalms 19, this is what it says: The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Night after night, they pour forth speech. Day after day, they reveal knowledge. Right, they, if you've never seen this piece, I encourage you to look it up and go and watch it. It's called the Star of Bethlehem. Met, like phenomenal research, incredible piece. I don't know if you remember this, but back in like 2015. Um, you know, front page, front page of the of the of the St. Pete Times. It was St. Pete Times back then. Star of Bethlehem. The night before, the star of Bethlehem had had reoccurred. So what it is is, it's when Jupiter, the king star, Regulus, though the king planet, and Regulus, the king star, and and uh, and I think it's Venus at its at, at Jesus's birth. They came together, and it was such. Like I'm going to tell you where I was when this happened. So I was at 34th Street Walmart. Okay. The, the big super Walmart and 34th street. And we're, we're coming out, the, coming out in the parking lot. And I look up and it looked like a, a plane was going to land in the parking lot. That's how big this star was. It was so bright, so big, but what it was to the naked eye, it looked like one star, but it was three coming into close conjunction. And, and this was again, the, the star. And how many of you remember that? Shouldn't that, that yeah, thank you, Julie. Like, Victoria, like that, that should have been like, wow, what? You know, and here, and, and I, I was amazed that a liberal paper would say the star of Bethlehem, but like amazing, right? So, and this is, it says, it says this, and from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw, he says, his star. Now, in this case, they're, they're referring to Jupiter and Regulus when it rose, and this is about two years earlier, this is when they saw it initially and have come to worship him. That's their hope. That's their agenda. That's their intention is to worship him. Say, and, and you know what's interesting to me um, is not for what he had done, but for who he is. That dawned on me in research. Like a lot of times we worship him for what he's done for us, 
right? In, in, in his salvation and in, in his grace, like all of the mercy that he's, disp- but like Jesus had done nothing and they had, they're coming to worship. A bi- I mean, how many times do we celebrate a royal birth and we celebrate the child? No, we celebrate the adult. So should we not also celebrate all that Jesus did for us on Christmas through his life and through his birth? But it's, it's fantastic that they, they didn't come to worship him for what he had done for them, but who he is. Who he is. Not who, I didn't say who he was, who he is. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now, when Herod gets troubled, everybody starts to get troubled because he can't, he kills children and wives if, if he feels like his, his, his throne is threatened. And to hear that there's a birth of a king, well, maybe there's a, there's a, you know, that's why he's troubled. And that's why all Jerusalem is troubled with him. And assembling, and it's interesting, the verse four says, all the priests, he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people. And it, he inquired of them where the Christ would be born. So he didn't know. By the way, King Herod was an Edomite. He wasn't even, he wasn't, he, he wasn't in the line of David. He didn't, he didn't deserve this position by, by God's ordination. He was assigned to it by Rome. So when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. He assembled all these scribes, the chief priests to inquire where he was born. And and they told him this in Bethlehem of Judah, five miles south, five miles south. For so it is written by the prophet. Thank you, Dave. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Why? Because he would eventually do the, the most horrific thing. He would, he would kill babies under the age of two based on this information, looking to just preserve his throne. This, this, this happened historically. He killed every base, sent soldiers to murder babies. So why didn't he go? Because the truth was, he had a very different agenda. The shepherd's news earlier did not convince him. He probably didn't even hear that or acknowledge it. And then it says in verse eight, he sent them to Bethlehem, speaking of the wise men saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Lie. After, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose in the east went before them until it came to rest. Now, when you understand, like what, what I've come to understand that this, when a star like actually stops, it's called retrograde motion. And if you look into this, it's fascinating. You know that with the stars, you can wind them backwards and forwards like a clock to perfection. Like you can, you know, they, we have we have technology, we have software that can do this. You can literally pick a, a historical date and you can see what the stars were like in that from from a vantage point and see what the stars were in the sky that night. And do you know that they've done this? And because of this 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 it's retrograde motion, the stars like we're, we're standing on a moving platform, right? You know, right now you're you're spinning at a thousand miles an hour at the equator. And, and you're revolving around the sun at 66,600 miles an hour right now, right now, right? That's a miracle in itself, right? And, but, but we're, we're a moving platform all the time. That's why it seems like the planets kind of wonder. That's, that's what they're actually called. Planet, the word planet means wandering star, 
right? But when you look at all of that information, what you understand is that retrograde motion. So what retrograde motion is, is if you're driving down 75 and a car kind of goes by, or you're, st- you're sitting at a stoplight and the car kind of, you know, inches forward, you think you're moving forward, right? But you're not, it's because it's, that's retrograde motion. So like what we understand is the stars moved in such a pattern that they appeared together to stop in this moment. And it says that they, they came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceed, like they couldn't be more overwhelmed here because it rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. See, the heavens in this moment declared the glory of the Lord. And, and going into the house, see, this is what, this literally, when you, when you read this from the Greek, like they, they went into a house. Joseph, Joseph, Joseph isn't even home. He's probably working in Bethlehem because who wants to go back to Nazareth? What possibility or opportunities are, are, are there? And so the, the, this family stays in Bethlehem. They're in a house. Joseph isn't even home. And these guys show up exceedingly joyful, overwhelmed, an entourage from the east, wealthy beyond her wildest dreams. And they are in awe excited and they've got gifts right this is the first christmas by the way if you're trying to take all that in right so it says and when the star uh, they were seating with great joy and going into the house they saw the child with mary his mother and they fell down and worshiped him that's the only thing that made sense in that moment then opened their treasures and you know like this this is where we're ending here like we're told Jesus says, where your treasure, where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, you know, when I read this, it's like, and they opened their hearts. They opened their treasures, but they hope they opened their hearts in worship. And they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Now, here's the beautiful thing about these gifts. One, what does gold symbolize? King, right? What does frankincense symbolize? Priest. What does myrrh symbolize? Prophet. Jesus was all of those things. We see that he's a relative, Mary's a relative of Elizabeth, right? She was of the priestly line. He is, he's born, he's born in the, in the tribe of, of Judah. Like he is, he comes as both, he's the great prophet that, that Moses spoke about, but he comes as king, also priest and prophet. He fulfills all of it. All of it. And these guys know it and offer these. And you know what's amazing about this is that in very short order here, what's going to happen is that the moment they leave, they don't go back. They learn, they, they learn the wisdom of what's going on here and they don't go back to Herod. And Joseph comes home that night. He's like, what happened? What? Wow. And this is all for, wow. Um, he has a dream. And in that dream, he is told, do not like get this family up and get out of here. And again, Joseph does what we talked about he did before. Immediately, he gets the family up and they head off to where? Egypt. Do you know how, 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 how helpful gold, frankincense, and myrrh would be in Egypt? Do you know that those are the very elements that they use to entomb and bomb all of that? You know, it was, it was like they were being resourced for a journey that they didn't even know they were going on. Has God ever done that for you? Can I tell you that the, Jesus is the way and he's re, God has resourced you for that way? Do you see what I'm saying? Like God is, he's so far out in front of you. He's laid out all these wonderful, glorious provisions for you, but you've got to walk in the path that he's, you've got to stay close to him. You've got to let him be your shepherd and don't wander off. 
and let him kind of determine your steps, as Proverbs 16 says. But it says they opened their treasures and offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Can the worship team come as we're finishing this up? And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, speaking of the wise men, they departed to their own country by another way. Guys, I mentioned earlier, and this is how we kind of close our time together. You're going to have an opportunity here. And look, use the three by five cards that are in the seat backs in front of you. And maybe it's just what you bring as your prayer tonight. But I know many of you have prepared for this moment. But for those that haven't, just know that, that God knows. He knows your heart. And that's really what he's after. And so as we sing this song, How Many Kings, listen to the lyrics. How many kings would leave their throne to come and die in your place or mine? to rescue us from our separation, our death. That's, that's an amazing thing, but that's what Jesus did for us. He, he did that. And so in this moment, the challenge is for the opportunity for you tonight is this, to come like the children did for us earlier and to bring your heart, to bring a gift um, and, and to put it in the manger as an expression, as a, as a, just like the wise men did, as, a, as a, a, an offering of worship and adoration. Because it's, it's not even really as much about what, what God did, but who God did when Jesus came and, uh, and lived to die. This was the first Christmas day. And why we give gifts at Christmas? Why? Ideally, to worship him. And that's why Jesus says, when you've done it unto the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it unto me. That's how Jesus wants us to practically give at Christmas. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.